Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Adam Groney, co-founder of the Movember Foundation. Movember is a community of over 5 million Mobros and Mo Sisters from all around the world who are passionate about changing the face of men's health. Each week we catch up and chat to someone from the Movember community about the challenges that shape us as men. You can listen to past episodes on MovemberRadio.com, find us on SoundCloud and the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're gearing up to celebrate Father's Day on June 17, and we have two great guests who have recently become new dads to baby girls. Justin Baldoni, American actor, director, filmmaker, and star of the hit TV show Jane the Virgin, where he also happens to play a new dad, is joined by Stuart Holden, who recently retired from professional soccer, having played for the Bolton Wanderers, Houston Dynamo, and the US national team. Stuart has taken on the challenge of building a new career, calling the game that he loves as he embarks on fatherhood. Both guys share the concerns, the challenges, and the highlights of becoming a new dad. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did talking with these two fine gentlemen. All right, so the three of us have something in common. We're all uh, new fathers to baby girls, and Father's Day is coming up, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, I guess it's a time to reflect on you know, the fathers or father figures in our lives and um, also now what it means to be a dad and a father. So let's maybe start with our fathers or, or father figures and uh, get both of you just to share a little bit about your relationship with, uh, with your father and, and what you've taken from that experience into being uh, a dad now. So, Justin, let's start with you, mate. Oh, that's a great... I love that. I love that we're starting with our dads. Um, I have probably the nicest dad in the world. Like, growing up, I never saw him be unkind to anyone. Um, he was in the, the film business as well, so I kind of grew up going to sets and things like that because he started the product placement industry in the early 80s. So my dad was like a dreamer. And uh, so learning from my dad, it was always about anything is possible. Like there's nothing that's, like, if you put your mind to something, you can do anything in the entire world. And he gave me an abundance of confidence. And so a lot of, a lot of men that I know have issues with their fathers. They're always trying to prove something to them. But I was, I'm kind of the opposite. Um, I've had approval from my dad since the beginning. 
constant I love yous, constant hugs. Um, I mean, there's always stuff that we have with our dads. Just mine just aren't the normal like dad <laughs> yeah. type things. And the other thing about my dad was that he would use his work to figure out how we can be of service to his family, not just financially, but like, you know, uh, I was a soccer player like you, so he would find a way to like go work with Diodora so we could get my team uniforms and like, you know, always trying to find Hustle, a way to I like, like it, yeah. always trying to find a way to merge his work with his family so that it was never, you know, exclusive. Like he was not just off at work, he was off at work, but he was also like being a cool dad for me. Um, and that was something that I just appreciate dearly and I'm trying to take into, you know, becoming a dad and figuring it out. Yeah, Stu? Yeah, I, I actually lost my father seven years ago to pancreatic cancer. Oh. Um, and my dad and I were best friends, you know, and like he was, he would have been, well, he was my best friend, biggest role model, uh, someone that I want to be like as a, as a father because I saw how he, you know, how he brought our family as young kids. When I was born in Scotland. Um, my dad would be going to work eight, nine hours a day at least um, just to give his family a better life. They made a big decision, grab, took my wife, my, my mom, sorry, and the kids, and we moved to Texas. Uh, and still my dad was at work every single day working, working, working to, you know, to, to make something for all of us. And he's ultimately given our family this amazing platform of being in the United States. And now we all love it here. And, uh, but it was crazy the day that I still remember the day that my dad was diagnosed with with cancer and how he told us I got back from soccer practice like 11 o'clock at night on a school night He takes us all up into my room as I'm getting ready and being a snot-nosed teenager uh, I think I was 17 at the time must have been and then he uh, you know He pulled everyone around we all sat on the bed and and just the way that he delivered this news of saying that he had had cancer He had this calming way with all of us and just kind of making you feel that it was all right and and I just love that the way that my dad had, had approached this of this biggest obstacle and challenge in his entire life and it was almost like hey we're going to do this together we're going to beat this uh, and it was amazing how you have younger brother younger sister who are all in our teenage years um, and and what that can mean to you finding that out as a teenager and knowing that your dad has has cancer to then just bringing your family incredibly close, uh, and it's something that I'll I'll always think of and want to emulate with my own family of being close to to my brother, my sister, to my daughter. Uh, but what was really cool about that with my dad was then you know fast forward to even three weeks ago, my mom is here and she's watching me with my daughter, and I'm you know I'm getting up in the morning shift, which we've all done, the 4 a.m. and I get up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. My mom wakes up and she goes, you know, your dad used to do that with with you every single night he was like he and so I, I'd never talked to my you, dad about being a dad you probably don't remember that no I didn't even know but my mom had never talked to me about my dad with deep. me and so that was so cool for me to see that you know my dad had had this effect on my life beyond mm. um, you know telling me what to do it's almost leading by example so I went on this big roundabout circle there but you know, my dad is someone that was able to affect other people's lives without directly telling it, just by action. So that's something Which is that, everything. Yeah, it's all absolutely. Action. So uh, becoming a dad is a really significant life moment. Um, some guys handle it well. Some um, take it uh, in their stride, and then and some really struggle uh, with it for various reasons. And and it's it's well known. A lot of women go through postnatal depression, and some guys do as well, which is. Um, not talked about, and um, a lot of guys don't actually realize that. So coming into being a dad, so from the time you know you, 
you found out um, your wives were pregnant. What were the biggest sort of concerns in your mind about what life would become? What, what was the things that you worried about um, leading into it? And, and Stu, we might start with you, mate. Uh, phew, yeah, that's a heavy one. Uh, I think I was just, I was excited. I was, as soon as my wife told me, I was almost in shock. She handed me this little pair of mini soccer cleats when, like down at the beach. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, and I thought they were for our dog. <laughs> and <laughs> then she's like, two. no, we're pregnant. And it, was, it, didn't, it didn't set in. You know, I don't think it really set in for me until towards the end of her pregnancy when you're feeling the baby kick and in the belly. And um, I think I was just afraid of, of messing up, you know? I'm thinking mm. like my, I, I, all the responsibility and that your life is about to just be turned upside down and everyone tells you that all the time. Uh, and I think I was just worried about like being a great dad. But th the comforting fact for me was that I had an amazing, I have an amazing wife that supports me through all of that. The tiredness. I don't think people can really uh, overstate that. Of, of yeah. like you're going to be tired, you're not going to sleep. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. just going into that was just all the unknowns were, were kind mm -hmm. of were kind of scaring me. But now in into it, I, I love all of it. And you really went through two significant transitions at the one time. So um, you retired from pro football or soccer, um, and that was a little earlier than expected um, due to injury and stuff like that. So you're retired from that, starting a new career, becoming a dad, and, and you did both on the same day, literally. Yeah, and I think that helped me, honestly. It was a way, it was almost, uh, we talked about the transition. It was like closure from one chapter and opening the new chapter. and. It wasn't an accident that I, that I did it that way. I think leading up to retiring, I kind of knew it was coming. I had I have bad knees. I'll always have bad knees. And it, it just kind of felt like the right time. I didn't want to keep going through this unknown uncertainty, potentially moving my family wherever. And we have a great life here. And we love where we are. We have great friends. And then, hey, I'm about to have a child in the next uh, two weeks. And then actually the, our child came, our daughter came two weeks early. So happened to be on the same day that I ended up retiring. So it's, it's really helped me because that first couple months when I'm missing soccer a lot, I wake up and I see this glowing little two-week-old smiling at me and pooping everywhere. And <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's been the best transition and one that I think, uh, looking back on it, it was certainly, you know, they say uh, sometimes things happen for a reason. I, I certainly believe that everything kind of came together and it's, it's been an excellent transition. And our daughters are a week apart, uh, roughly, and we're, we're earmarked uh, the World Soccer, so soccer <laughs> uh, Women's World Cup 2030, soccer with Stu, Every, uh, every yeah, if your night. daughter's gonna play soccer, I'm gonna start doing some tennis she soccer was, lessons. She was born, or it was like right during the World Cup. She was born. Wow. Yeah, we watched yeah. the women. We watched the women win. Oh, so she's destined to be. She is absolutely destined star. to be. I, I earmarked that for sure. Soccer with Stu. She's as good as Yeah. So Justin, le leaning in, what what were the things yeah, that were circling in your mind? I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Uh, selfishly, because um, I just feel. I feel like, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but I'm constantly working on uh, myself and trying to grow and learn and uh, you know make tons of mistakes. And I always thought that I'd reach a certain age or I'd be in my 30s and I'd have it kind of figured out. Or I'd like, oh, I would, I'll know myself or I'll know what triggers I have. And, um, and for me, you know, my spiritual life is 
influences everything that I do. So it's a constant balance of overcoming my lower nature with my higher nature. And as a man, that's a hard thing to do because I think we're just born with lower natures. What do you um, mean by that? Like? So I, for me, so I grew up in the Baha'i faith. And um, a lot of uh, what I believe life is about is, fi is finding our way to uh, a spiritual existence in this physical world. So we have two choices in anything that we do. You know? And uh, a lot of the time we can, you know, we're primal. You know, uh, human beings are primal. If you look at the world, um, all the afflictions that exist in the world, I think, come from us making decisions based on our lower nature versus our higher nature. And uh, that can be looked at in a lot of different ways. As men, it's like, you know, you see a hot girl, you feel something. The difference is, do you act on it or do you just know that it's just something that's in your brain? You know? um, so I'm constantly, in my life, trying to, um, you know, bring my lower nature lower and my higher nature up and, and it's, as, as I'm working on who I am as a man uh, I just didn't feel ready at all and so when my and so we had not planned to have a baby so when my wife told me I was coming home and I was like you know my show was blowing up and I was like I'm just gonna be on entertainment tonight and I was like hey babe I'm doing entertainment tonight on Monday it's gonna be awesome and all this stuff's happening and she's looking at me terrified and she <laughs> goes I think I might be pregnant and we just sat there for probably a minute and I put my hand in the air and I was like, how? <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like doing the math. I'm like, a pretty good idea. Like, wait, wait. Um, and, uh, and I play a dad on television. I have, you know, I had just gone through the, the show that I'm on is literally documenting the journey mm. of becoming a parent. Um, and so I'm, you know, my, my girlfriend or baby mama on the show is going through all these stages and I'm like looking at this, like, how is this even possible? Like at what point in, my life was I going to be a dad on TV and in real life at the same time like and then suddenly there was this calm that kind of set in that was like wait a second I can provide so that is at first I think for a man check mm -hmm. that off the list because I think that would that would be the scariest thing to not have a source of income or to not know if I could take care I have an amazing wife and a good marriage check she like she's going to be an incredible mother. I want. I would want to. Uh, I would if I could pick anyone. I would pick my wife. I'm like okay, and then it's like okay, this is a gift. And so suddenly it kind of like it, mm -hmm. it it sank in a little bit, and I was like I was okay. But my God, if any one of those things weren't in there, I would have absolutely gone through some kind of massive panic. Yeah, <clears throat> it is interesting about the, the the norm around men being the provider in the family, and that weight of expectation Oof. is really interesting. And you sort of start to project out. It's like, okay, you know, uh, Jess is back at work, so now we've got a nanny. That's expensive. You start to think about schooling, and these sort of these bills in your head are going. Oh my goodness! Like, you know, I've got to make sure I can provide here, and that creates. A stress, and you know we're all gainfully employed and, and you know in good positions, but but a lot of guys aren't and have that vulnerability, and it's it stresses you out, right? Like, oh yeah, I, I mean I went through that from going from professional athlete to freelance TV guy that was getting paid by the show to you know now I've worked thankfully I've worked my way into a position where I have a little bit more stability, but 
certainly, you know, and there's no secret, you don't struggle as a professional athlete, so I'm not crying, uh, crying wolf here, but there's certainly a period there, though, where you're like, oh man, what, what am I going to do? Because I, I have all these bills, I've, I live a certain lifestyle, I want to provide my daughter, my wife, that certain lifestyle, my wife worked, and she's not going to be working for the next year, because I want her to be at home with the baby, and then there's medical expenses, there's this, there's this, and they just start to add up, and I think for a while there it was there was a pressure there's a stress there's a an unknown to it um, but ultimately it makes you want to I think it makes you want to work harder because yeah. mm-hmm. in knowing that you want to do the, all these great things for your daughter and you don't want to you want to have a nanny twice a week because you want your wife to have a life because you want your wife to be happy because it makes your life better so everything kind of centers around your wife and your daughter and it, I, I foresee that for the rest of my life and, and honestly it, I couldn't be happier about that mm. you like the nanny because we're, we're starting to look now she did she was just like nope I want to do it I don't want a nanny she, I think right. she had it in her mind that she would be like not a great mom if she had a nanny my, my wife exact same so we went we went through that exact same thought and you're she, seeing her and, she's, yeah. and you're like no this will, it'll help like you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting it was a question I was going to ask later but I'll, I'll jump to it now um um, being from Australia but living in America, the parental leave in America is pretty poor. Awful. It's, yeah. it's actually awful. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to say that because I'm not American, no, I'll say but it. You, yeah, you, it's you're, awful. you're American. <laughs> um, so in Australia, it's 12 months off. Um, wow. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's three months here. And so my wife literally is, is back at work. And you're guaranteed uh, your job back, right? Correct. Yeah. In, in Australia, you've got to hold the job open for, for 12 months. And you can even come back. Um, and go, listen, I'm, I don't want to work full-time in that role, even though it's a full-time role, and, and work in that role part-time, which, which creates other issues for the organisation. So you've got that, but the other thing, and the, other, the question I was going to ask is around paternity leave or, or leave for men. So in the US, uh, there's no mandated requirement for uh, organisations to provide any leave, uh, paid or unpaid, for men. And put it in perspective, Australia and the UK provide two weeks um, leave for, for men. In Canada, which is a lot like Europe, um, it's really interesting. They have this system where it's split. So there's 35 weeks of which so the, the, the mother can take 20 weeks and then the, the other parent can take the balance. So hmm. you could take 15 weeks. And I was reading up on this and, and the challenge was in Canada, men aren't taking up that offer because they they don't feel comfortable enough in the workplace that they can go and take 10 weeks off to to be with their babies and I took four weeks off you know annual leave for work just to be at home and and around and that time is is so important I think and I was just interested in your perspective around you know that early time I know both of you have more probably more flexible jobs than the norm um, but you know the importance mm. of that early time and and you know men spending that with with their babies. I mean, I, look, I think I think that I'm a big proponent in general of female rights and and uh, the true equality of men and women. It's a it's a big thing, at least that I care about in my life, and I think that all men should because uh, I think it, in fact it will end up helping men in, mm. and the world first of all. Um, mm. Uh, especially because women are more than 50% of the entire world. Uh, but when it comes to parenthood, I think it's really interesting, and I'm, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but so much is, is very much geared around the woman as it should be. 
Um, mm. It is very much our wives doing pretty much everything. Um, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't negate the fact that we are also experiencing a massive life change in mm. the transition. And I think, the, I think the kind of old world thinking and what it used to be to be a man was like, oh, your wife has the baby and you go work. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we've also been robbed of the experience uh, of what it's like to truly be a father in those first few weeks. Mm. And I think that it makes the, the marriage that much better if the man and the wife can share that together. I can tell you that I was lucky to have our child during our hiatus, but I also have a company and I was off to go shoot stuff, so I only had two weeks. Um, but those two weeks were some of the most precious moments of my entire life. Uh, and I can't imagine not being able to take those two weeks. And the truth is, if, if my daughter would have come during my show, I would have just gone back to work and I would have not had a choice. Were they going to shut down the whole production? Were they going to stop playing soccer? Like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to, you know, we're just going to, we're going to stop all the games because Stu just had a baby. And, it, and it's unfortunate that that's just not the way that it works. I would love to see America um, and just the rest of the world kind of look at dads as, a, uh, and, as that emotional bonding moment with their child as something that is of extreme importance. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I actually have I'm very similar thoughts to you, but I have friends that are on both sides of the spectrum. Actually, another couple that we know had a child similar to uh, a week before us, and, and he works very long hours, and um, which is the opposite of my schedule, and it's been nice that there's been a little bit of a lull in soccer, so I've had four or five days a week to be able to be there with, with mm. my daughter. and. Uh, there's been times where I'm ready to rip my hair out and there's times when I'm tired and there's times when I, I want to get out of the house but all of that I would say I, would, I wouldn't trade it for a single moment because like you being, being involved with my daughter's life from the first minute and I think there's this terrible misconception out there that we can't do anything because well the baby's got to breastfeed and every two hours and the baby's got to eat and the baby's going to cry and it's the mom's kind of bond and you know we don't get a lot back as dads until they get a little bit older and they can interact and smile and they get a personality but I, I would disagree completely, completely because I feel a really close bond to my daughter having been involved from mm. uh, a young age and I think I'm going to look back on this in 20 years and say th that was amazing that I had this time with her uh, and you know I don't think it's ever a competition about, well, I have more time with my daughter than you do because I, th uh, and friends that say, well, you know, you're, you're doing too much or you do I don't think, you know, everyone parents differently. Um, but as far as in my, in my life, uh, I've considered myself so fortunate to have had these early moments with my daughter at three in the morning when I fed her and she just sleeps on my chest. You know, those are the moments you want to oh, capture. I miss and, that, man. Oh, it's the best. And see, like, I sort of reflect on um, the role my dad played when, when I was born um, compared to the role I played. And, and set the scene, this is Australia in the early 70s. And uh, my dad is a wonderful dad, so I don't want to paint this in a negative way. He's still married to, to my mum and they have a wonderful relationship. But when I was born, uh, dad drove mum to the hospital, dropped her off, went to the pub with his mates gave the nurse the phone number to the pub and said, hey, call, call when, when we know whether it's a boy or a girl. Well, we both had a pint at the same pub, I believe. During right, right, yeah. Our, our wives uh, had the baby in the same hospital, so we both figured out this Irish pub on the corner and right. multiple trips back and forth. We both sent a picture and said, we had a beer in there. <laughs> this is, this is the way one my <laughs> 
what is it? Uh, which hospital was it? St. John's. St. John's. Oh, yeah, yeah, Marcus. Santa Marcus. yeah sorry. But um, yeah, so literally dad tells a story that he gets a call at the pub and it's like, I hope you got a fishing rod. It's a, it's a boy. And, but that was, that was normal. Mum didn't think, and I've asked her about it, she didn't think any more or less of that because that certainly in Australia in the early 70s was what guys hmm. um, did. And, and that was what probably normal. what his dad did and what his dad oh, did. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just reflect, you know, in you now the 40 odd years since then, but the roles and the expectations which have wonderful that we all play now as guys in the whole birthing process has, has fundamentally changed. And I think it's just one example of many of the evolving nature of, you know, what it means to be a modern man and, and masculinity, which, you know, just I know you're passionate about and think yeah. a lot about. Um, so I, I think we, we're all modern. Birthing class scared the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> about we, well, we had a home birth. Oh, wow. So, uh, and that was a choice that we made together. Um, and at first I was, ter- I was terrified of that idea because I didn't know. It was just a lack of education. I was ignorant. And in my mind, well, I was born in a hospital. Most of my friends were born in a hospital. My daughter should be born in a hospital. And you think, and you look around and it's a whole nother subject. It's a whole nother very polarized topic. But what we found was that my, you know, I trust my wife's intuition, which is something that I think that as men, it's very important that we all do is we have to believe that our wives want they have better intuitions than we do. It's just the way that it is. It's just the way women are built. Um, <clears throat> and we shouldn't question them. And uh, You know she's going to be listening, right? That's what you're saying. Dude, I know, man. <laughs> I'm, and and uh, you don't know a lot about me, but I talk about this stuff a lot. Whether she listens or not, I think it's yeah. really, it's truly important because she's saved my ass a lot of times. Um, and uh, she was like, I want to do, do a home birth, I think. And I had no idea what it was. But I found out that the man is so involved in that part of the birthing process because it's not about doctors. It's about the two of us. We didn't even call anybody for the first 24 hours. I mean, it was a 35-hour labor. It was just us. Just us the whole time. And you talk about, like, them needing you, you know, and, like, literally needing you to, you know, rub their back. And you find yourself in the same position that you were in when you made them, when you made the baby. Like, it's a very intimate bonding moment. But then being able to pray and talk and literally see my daughter and be the first voice that she hears when she comes out and everyone leaves the room and being able to be and have that moment as a, like, my dad didn't have that. My dad mm. had, they, my mom had a C-section and he had to get certified to even be in the room, you know, and then they take the baby away and they go through that whole process. But like getting a chance to be that present as a husband and as a father, like for, for us, it kind of cemented this need for you know, how important men actually are in the process. And at the same time, broke my heart for all the women that don't have present men. Mm. Like all the women who's like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with what your dad did, but like, you know, there's a lot of women that are giving, uh, uh, the men are not. I, I give him a lot of shit about that. Like, I mean, that's... I'm not judging your father, <laughs> but like, what a, I mean, this is the yeah. biggest moment like of most women's lives. Mm. And to have a, that strong masculine energy there mm. is so important. And I think I said to Stu, who was literally a week um, after me, you know, some advice that I got was, you know, they certainly tell the mum like immediately skin on skin to create that that mm. bonding, and it's it's amazing to watch. And the baby just the breast crawl, just crawls to their way up. Yeah, knows how to you know where the breast is and to to start, um, suckling on it. But to, you know, it, it feels a bit weird, but you're in the hospital with your shirt off and, and you know, your little baby just, <laughs> on there just like hanging out. But, but um, it does create that, that amazing 
bond, which is which is so important. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, you know, particularly with new baby, it's um, all-consuming. Plus, you've got work, and your life starts to revolve pretty much around those two things. And and we've done, as in the Movember Foundation, have done some research around this. And, and men inadvertently become socially isolated through this phase because they put their family first and their, and their work first, meaning that we don't maintain really good and healthy relationships yeah. with our friends and buddies. And that becomes really important when things aren't going that great. Um, guys don't feel confident enough to talk to their buddies about what's going on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you know, we had the man dinner uh, <laughs> last week, which was deliberately um, to get guys, and a lot of us there were, were new dads and stuff like that, and it was just a chance to catch up have a few drinks and a, and a nice meal and just talk about um, stuff that's going on in our lives. So, Justin, I know, I know you, again, you've, you've done some stuff in this space and certainly some thinking around it. So just interested in your perspective. Like, personally, do you find that? And, and yeah. yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I absolutely have. And it's something that uh, <clears throat> I'm actively actually trying to figure out with myself. I'm actually taking my... Uh, entire family on a three-day therapy weekend this weekend um, yeah, in Utah um, at this really cool place called Second Nature where we're going to go and be isolated for three days and just go deep and like talk about all the stuff we haven't talked about in years. Um, and one of the things that I'm very act- like just thinking about a lot is the fact that I, I've also been doing that because I can, you know, I have three jobs kind of. And then I have my family, and then I have my daughter. And I realized, like, man, I haven't seen my friends in so long. And whether it's a conscious choice, and sometimes I'll go out and I will feel socially awkward. And I'm like, man, I forgot how to be a, like a buddy. Like, I forgot how to hang out with my dudes. Like, um, because it's, I'm so used to grinding, 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 work, 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 you know, playing with my daughter. And then, of course, like, you add in all the, the social media shit. 
you know, because that's unfortunately it's part, it's part yeah, of our yeah. jobs and, and, you know, and it, it really honestly is a part of our job. Mm -hmm. um, you start to, you start to, at least for me, I, I start to become kind of socially awkward sometimes, which really screws with my head. Um, so I think it's something that's not talked about enough. And, uh, you know, I am, I'm creating a show about this conversation um, as we speak so that men can understand that they're not like, uh, you know, they're not alone in feeling the way that, you know, we all feel, which is why I appreciate so much what you're doing, especially with Movember and with this podcast. Because men, we, we never had a, we never had role models besides our own parents to look at and say, oh, that's what a modern man is. Mm -hmm. You have movie stars. But what do you see movie stars doing? You see them getting married and getting divorced two years later and then remarrying their co-star. You know, or you see politicians, or you see, but we never had, or you see athletes, and unfortunately, athletes aren't always the best role model. I mean, you're, uh, you know. <laughs> Post-career. Yeah, post <laughs> yeah. See you later. Yeah, but, uh, so it's an important conversation to have so that men understand that, like, hey, you know, I'm going through that, and what can I do about it? So, but yeah, I absolutely understand. Yeah, I get have yeah. you Yeah, I think it becomes a mentality thing, and if, I remember, Two or th three weeks after my daughter's birth, we got invited by a group of friends to go down to get, get a drink in Manhattan Beach at this this bar restaurant that turned then later into like a clubby vibe. And I still remember Kara and I are walking in with the stroller, and the, the hostess is at the front, and she, she looks at us, and she's like, uh, they think you're in the wrong place. And we're like, no, yeah, our friends are upstairs. You have an elevator. And she's like, no. Like, and she was almost disgusted that we were there. Um, and so I was like, all right, my, my wife and I didn't even think twice. Yeah. I turned around, I grabbed the bottom of the stroller, she picked it up, and we take the stroller up the stairs, you know, it's in a little bit, it wasn't crazy, this is like eight, eight o'clock, so it wasn't really loud music, but we're walking by a guy on the way into the thing, and the guy goes, dude, how old's your daughter? And I was like, three weeks, and he's like, I thought your life's over once you have a baby. And, uh, and it was kind of cool to like, my wife and I, we turned around, and this is probably just some single, really drunk dude, but <laughs> it, it is a mentality thing of like, he's like, oh, well, your life must be over, what are you doing out with a baby? And we, you know, we took our daughter out, we plunked her on the seat next to us, she slept for three hours, or two hours, and when it started to get louder, my wife's like, we gotta go, which is, Good parenting, but at the same time, we, we made a conscious effort to be hey, hey we don't want to isolate mm -hmm. our, ourselves and we don't want to bunker in. And, and yes, there is that natural uh, time when you do have to do that, and you do, you know, your, your daughter needs to get into a routine, and it, it's important for her to go to bed at certain hours. And we're, we're, I'd say, we're getting there more so now at four months and knowing she needs to be down at 8 30, and that's when we we'll start to look into no, babysitters. And, than we are. Yeah, but I, I think overall, though, we've just made this. This, our, our goal to socialize and to try and be out there and, and we're very fortunate we have friends like yourselves who have a young daughter the same age and we actually have a good group of friends I think that are going through similar life experiences and yes I get texts from my friends hey hey, you want to come to Vegas this weekend was, oh yeah hold on let me just cancel work on the weekend and just tell my wife and daughter I'll be back on Monday it doesn't work like that yeah. anymore yeah I don't have any of those friends <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it just becomes about what you what you want to make it, and just being strong about that. And you have to be, I think, a bit more proactive yeah, as a parent to, to kind of reach mm -hmm. out to people that maybe would assume, hey, he has a kid, he doesn't want to hang out. That's the other thing that I, that I we we have brought her also everywhere. That's the choice. It's like <laughs> you bring her everywhere. If you get if you get a moment, you bring the you bring the kid everywhere, and uh, it's actually I don't know I don't know about you, but you'll start to see that the more they're out and they're used to loud things, so they can sleep through. You don't have to be like shh. You know, and if someone comes <laughs> over, they're just used to being like 
in the center right. of a yeah, whole Yeah, it becomes a white noise for them. Yeah. They come to set, there's 120 people on set, you know, and they get to do it sometimes, and we do go out into our friends' places sometimes, and we just pass her around. Mm -hmm. And she just goes around to everybody and plays with them, and she becomes a very social child. Um, I was referring more to that individual, like, you and I have been friends for years, uh, that finding the time to not be with my daughter and my my just wife, to and just to be like one on one yeah. with some of my yeah. best friends, or to like have a conversation like this. Those are the moments that I found mm -hmm. really, really hard to to create. And how's how, how's your wife about that, and you with her about well, we're, we're making all, sure you guys yeah, have. So time we're always trying to create those moments as well. Um, I'm just a I'm a I'm a I'm a dreamer. Like like my dad is a workaholic and a you know an entrepreneur, and I'm always creating, creating, creating. So so it's me. So I'm the reason why those things don't mm -hmm. happen. So it's like somewhere inside of me that's like, oh, you know, what's my, what's my choice right here? And sometimes I know how important it is to like go and, hey, I, dude, let's do, what are you doing, man? Let's go, let's, let's go just, you know, kick the soccer ball around or whatever it is. Those are the moments oh, yeah. I, that, I are, that I find really hard to create. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You touched on it before, particularly both of you um, have a um, public profile and keeping up to date on social media is an important part of that. And now your babies are interweaved into your um, yeah, social media. We have very similar Instagrams, by the way. I looked you up uh, before we came. <laughs> lots of chat, lots, lots of babies. <laughs> selfies yeah, and babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> babies and photos. Just you holding selfies. Um, yeah, so have you thought consciously about that and how much your your little daughters are a part of that um, online presence? Have you talked to your wives about it? And I sort of think about this from the perspective, I mean, imagine, we can't imagine what social media be like in 15 years when our daughters are actually actively on social media or whatever they will call it then. Holograms. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just interested in, in both of your perspectives on, on that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's such a widespread uh, question because I think you, you touched on it earlier. I mean, social media is a job, and you can't deny that when, when you have to maintain your Instagram, your Facebook, your uh, Snapchat, doing fee weekly Facebook live chats about soccer, Periscope. I mean, the list kind of goes on, and then how do you... Naturally, you involve your, your daughter and your family into that in some way, and my wife and I... More so on her end, I think, because she had a public, well, she has a public Instagram, but she had a public Snapchat, and she did, a, you know, some modeling stuff, and people would follow her because she would, she likes to work out, and it was kind of like this fit mom, and her journey from being pregnant to then losing weight and being fit and healthy, and it was like, we, we did have a point where we sat down and said, hey, I think we're putting too much of our personal lives out there for, mm -hmm. for everyone, and at the same time, it gives a different demographic a chance to connect with you, the new dads, the new moms. Um, but at some point, I think you want some stuff that's just for you. Yeah. And, and honestly, I find it harder with, with friends. I'll get a text from a friend, and then I'll realize, oh, I haven't Snapchatted or I haven't posted a picture today, so then I'll go on Instagram, I'll post a picture, and I'll get a text from my friend two minutes later, oh, you can Instagram, but you can't text me back. And I think that goes back to those personal relationships yeah. with your friends. And in reality, that should be my priority is to, to keep in touch with my friends and text them. And rather than them seeing this picture of what I might be doing right now, whether I'm doing it or not, you know, that's kind of the big joke. It's like, oh, I'm in Bora Bora. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm sitting on my couch in L.A. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've thought about that a lot of, of how much do I put my daughter out there and I think the the you all I actually was joking about this and maybe it's something you could do for 
your TV show, but it's like starting a blog that's the ugly pictures of your baby because all our babies aren't smiling all the time. They're right, pooping, right. they're peeing, they're <laughs> they're crying, and all you ever see from anyone is the happy the smiley highlights. pictures. And it's like my I wanna, baby smiles all. the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I want to start an ugly dad blog. I mean, an ugly uh, baby blog. It's just like here's my baby when she's taking a poop and she's getting, making this awful face because we all go through that stuff. So those are the ones she's gonna hate you for. When <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's gonna have daddy issues over her dad posting ugly pictures of mm. her when she's a kid. Yeah, it's uh, someone asked me that. I did a, a interview a couple of, a week ago or so, and someone asked me that question. It was one of the first times I've really been asked. Um, we have a, a little bit of a different scenario because uh, we, when I proposed to my wife, uh, I did it privately, I, but I made her a movie. Um, I watched it the other day. Oh, did you? It's like the 10 minutes. 27. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it's like amazing. This 27 minute long movie that I made just for her that um, through peer pressure we eventually made public after we got married, which went super viral. And, uh, but the reason we made it public was because I wanted men to see a different side of what it, I thought it meant to be a man. I was a, I was a fool in the video. And it was all this, it was about my journey towards giving her the proposal that I thought she wanted, but in reality I was giving her the proposal that I've always dreamed of giving a woman. She could have been anybody. Um, and then in the end I realize what it's all about. It's about giving her what she wanted and creating an experience for her. And I wanted men to see that like it's okay to be vulnerable with your wives and girlfriends. It's okay to tell them things. And I went to like her dad's, her dad passed away and I went to her grave and I asked her dad for permission. And these were all very private moments that weren't going to be public. And we made them public for a specific reason. Because sometimes a platform comes with, I mean, it always comes with responsibility. And you can choose to like, you know, do good with it or you can choose to not do good with it. And I didn't want to perpetuate the same message of what I think it means to be a man. So uh, when we found out we were pregnant, I just, because I, I film everything, that's my <laughs> annoying thing, which I will screw up my daughter because of that. She'll grow up in front of a camera. Even if I don't post it, it's just like, oh, oh my God, I can't miss that. Um, that's one of my flaws. But I made a video of uh, us surprising our friends that she was pregnant. And we decided to put that online because it was so happy because people were crying and they were so moved. And I was like, this should be celebrated. <clears throat> so we were very specific of our intention of why. We have the baby. We didn't really talk about what should be private or what shouldn't be. But one day I was sitting there, <clears throat> excuse me, and I was looking at my wife and she was breastfeeding my daughter and I was so filled with like just love for not just my wife but for her my future daughter and just for all women and I was like how do how can a human body do what I just witnessed my wives do and I I started just writing an Instagram post that was a love letter to women and it wasn't like well this because I didn't have a ton of followers you know it was just like it wasn't like will this go viral it was it was a pure intention of I, this is on my heart. I got nowhere else to put it. I'm just going to put it online with a picture of them. And that started a, a thing for me because I wanted to be, if I'm going to have followers, then I'm going to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a very specific message of you'll see me post photos of my wife and my daughter and I'll do a hashtag of her dear Maya. And it's like, it's me, my Instagram account is essentially me loving my wife and my child. Um, and I hope that 17, 18, 22 year old kids that follow me can see like, yeah, this guy's, he's kind of cool. He's in good shape. He works out. He stays, you know, he's an actor, blah, blah, blah. But oh man, he treats women with respect mm -hmm. and he's a present father. So maybe like somewhere down the line, they'll want to be that way. Right. 
And then there'll come a point where she'll be able to decide if she wants to be on my Instagram page or if Instagram even exists. <laughs> and that's when there'll be another conversation. Yeah. Because she will have a choice. Right now, it's just, it's, the intention is just to, to create a shift in perspective. And then one day she might not want, it, not want that, so we'll stop. Yeah, it's a big part of what we do at the Movember Foundation and, and sort of part the motivation behind the podcast is we sort of consider ourselves to be the modern feminist. And for me, yes, we focus on men's health, but it's nudging some of the aspects of masculinity to mm. make us better men, to, to live longer, happier and healthier lives. And I say we're the modern feminists because fundamentally I believe that if we can, if we can get men doing that, that naturally has a flow-on effect to, to, to women. And we both need to work on this. And, and particularly with young boys and, and the way we bring up young boys and some of those aspects of masculinity that aren't good, we, men and women, condition our little boys to, to you know, you can't cry, you can't don't be cry. vulnerable, yep. you need to be in control and stuff like that. And some of that plays out later in life in, in negative ways. So uh, last question, and, and this is more a, a general question, not just about fatherhood, and, and it's one we ask everyone that comes on the show. So it's, if you could ring 18-year-old Stu Holden, <laughs> what advice would you give him? And, and the same question's coming your way. Wearing your dress. <laughs> yeah, lose some weight. Your <laughs> <laughs> mobile phone's around there, is like, yeah. mate? I'd pager, I think. I'd pager. So if, mm. yeah, yeah. What would your advice be to uh, 18-year-old Stu? Oh, man. You know, I, 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 I went through some adversity with my soccer career. I mean, I was a 16-year-old uh, soccer star in Texas, whatever you know you could say. Had a serious knee injury, which tended to be a, uh, a theme throughout my career. But I didn't have soccer for six months with that injury. And it was amazing the shift in my life, losing what I felt was my purpose, was to be a pro soccer player. I've been saying to my parents I was going to be a pro soccer player since I was six years old. Um, wow. And so I was so close to it. I was recruited by top schools across the nation. And then all of a sudden, all of that was taken away from me. And I didn't know how to handle it. I, I didn't know. I dealt with what I could n now completely diagnose as depression. Um, I went from a straight A student to a C's and D's. Um, so my academics struggled. I started partying a ton. And, and going actually, this goes all the way back to my dad. And, um, and my dad probably didn't realize it at the time of saying something I wish he'd perhaps done uh, would have been disciplined me a little bit more because I really went off the rails. And I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I found my way back to this path. But you know, I, I put on weight. I was partying. I, my grades were terrible. I became a, a terrible. I, I had bad behavior, and it was amazing. Like taking this one thing away, which was my passion, mm. took you know, taking that away from me. So, I think looking back to to being eighteen year old or seventeen year old, uh, whatever you want to say, uh, and I, I guess I was very fortunate. Um, and also, I did work hard, but uh, to get one opportunity, which was a college soccer showcase in North Carolina on a rainy, windy day, and. My assistant coach at Clemson will tell this story uh, way better than I can, but you know, I scored a diving header, and he looked over the head coach, and he's like, who's that, that chubby kid in the middle that just <laughs> scored the goal? I, I like him. 
And, and seriously, from that goal, they recruited me to Clemson. I came back six months later. And it was almost like I had been, and I don't want to equate this to the Army, but that like, type of discipline and being part of a team and being held accountable. And like that six months for me, I came back to Houston and I was lean and I started lifting weights and I'd gotten my drive back. And six months later, I was a professional soccer player. So wow. I went from this incredible high to a really big low um, and then worked incredibly hard over the course of a year, played one game against you know, the USA under-17s and a nothing friendly. The coach calls me up and blah, 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 blah. Everything happened, and next thing you know, I'm playing pro soccer in Europe. So uh, I think looking back to its 18-year-old Stu to summarize everything would just be, um, oh, I don't even know, but just like the discipline and, and knowing you know, not letting myself go off, go off the tracks and, and finding other passions and, and being vulnerable to friends. Because I think if I talked about it with my mm-hmm. family, with my dad, with mm-hmm. my mom, yeah. they would have understood what I was going through. But I bottled this all up because I didn't think it was okay to feel that way. I didn't think right. it was okay to be upset about um, yeah, we're, we're feeling wide depressed. Not yeah. help. No, I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk. I never talked mm-hmm. to my dad about it until years later. And, mm-hmm. and they could see it. It's not like... I could see my mom pulling the cupcakes away from me at dinner, just kind of shifting them to the left. (laughs) But you look in the mirror every day and you think you're okay and you still think you're this confident guy and uh, you're stripped down to the bone. So that's very, very humbling and something that I think has had a forever impact on my life. I want to see a photo of you, Chubby. Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, it's great. I've I've deleted most of them. (laughs) No, actually, I have them there as reminders. Right. You should put them up (laughs) there with the ugly photos of your daughter. (laughs) Yeah, we'll go next to each other. So... 18-year-old. Yeah. Justin. It's funny. We, uh, when I was 18, I tore my hamstring. And uh, I had a, that big shift in my life as well. And was going to go to college for either soccer or track. Mm-hmm. And it all went away. Um, I think... If I think about... If I could like sit next to myself at 18 right now, um, I would... One of the things that I would say is that... Uh, don't seek approval... Don't, don't seek approval from your friends. Don't seek approval from um, people you don't know. And don't try to be someone you're not. I think one of the things that I always struggled with, I grew up in uh, a small town, was I, I unfortunately kind of stood out whether I wanted to or not. Um, there was something in me that just needed to come out. Um, and uh, I was always kind of feeling bad for being myself, uh, feeling bad for having a you know, the big personality or, you know, having a talent at something. And uh, constantly was trying to kind of lower myself and what any gifts I had were so that I could have friends. Um, And that was, uh, high school was hard for me, especially. Um, So I would go back and I'd say, trust your instincts, trust your, you know, God made you this way and and follow what you think your service is and don't do something because someone else wants you to do it. Um, I would also say spend more time with your parents and get to know them as people. Um, and don't wait till you're 32 to, to like get everybody and go on, you know, go on a trip together and go super deep, but like, you know, treat your mom better and talk to your dad about, you know, his struggles and start to, you know, learn more about where you come from versus just immediately wanting to leave. Because I, at 18, I took off and I moved to LA and went to Long Beach State and I was just on my own and I didn't want my dad's help that much and he was always trying to help me and I was like, no, I got this, I got this. But like, if I could get those years back and actually ask my dad for guidance 
mm. and say like you know instead of trying to figure it out on my own and failing and messing up and say and I'm sure you I'm sure you could could understand that um, you know help me like ask for help versus thinking that I got to do it on my own and be the man and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think also especially my dad going through cancer cancer yeah. uh, as a teenager, we kind of I mean looking back on it, it brought our family extremely close, but. And whether this is right or wrong, this is the way we handled it, was we almost ignored it existed, you know? And, and my sister would almost refuse to acknowledge that my dad's going through this, even though you see his hair falling out or, you know, he's going through chemotherapy and he'd be sleeping on the couch. And my sister would almost resent him for being so tired and sleeping on the couch. And, you know, it's funny, the mustache in November, my dad had a mustache for 25 years. And that's all I ever knew him with was, hmm. was a mustache. And, and he came out one day because it was starting to fall out. And mm -hmm. so he told my sister, he said, let's shave it off. So like him and my sister shared this moment. They went together in the bathroom and my dad shaved his mustache off. And he came out you know, kind of holding over like this and walked out in the room and took his hand away. Had you ever seen him with that? Never. I've never wow. seen him. Ne wow. Not any photos. So it was, we were all like, who's this guy standing in our... Uh, in our living room, this, this really handsome, awesome dude. But uh, I think, if, again, going back to 18-year-old Stu, I would love to sit down and, and I don't think that it takes an adult to have these types of conversations. I could be a teenager and just talk to my dad because I know him and my mom would have talked about it, but I don't know how many of his friends would come up to him and be like, so, hey, what, what are you going through right exactly. now? Like, open up. And I think there would be something really cool to, to have these those types of conversations with my dad you, you know I don't know if you know this but so I uh, one of the one of my other I make documentaries and so I spent the last almost four years I make uh, I travel around the country and I spend time with people who are dying and I make a documentary series called my last days which we just sold to CW is coming out in end of the summer um, but yeah I, so my job is to go into families who just like yours don't deal with it mm -hmm. but the, but like the person is living this amazing life and we have a conversation and we tell these you know 20 minute documentaries about like how you know all these things that nobody ever talks about mm -hmm. because even inside the families like you don't talk about and if you could go back and like you could have like for I'm sure if you could have your dad like talking about man what it's like to be a father and like watching my son be a pro soccer player and what that's like to Know that you're and often it helps having some sort of a moderator. I'm sure yeah. you know, you're going in with the film crew. There's like and we talked about that, and especially when when my dad was diagnosed, uh, my mom kind of approached me and said, "Would you know? I don't necessarily know if it's something you would want, but I think it would be beneficial for your sister if we kind of had a moderator." Or someone that would want to help her talk, and we all kind of were like, nah. and looking back, maybe that would have helped. But then the other one is when you get into those days where you know my dad was given six months. He lived he lived six years with it, so he was told wow. six months. He lived six mm -hmm. years. So talk about living every day like, like you it's think your last. Yeah. it's your last. But then when you get to close towards the end, and again, we all wanted to be in denial, but. My mom kind of knew, and she said to me again, she approached me and said, do you think it would help if we had your sister talk to someone um, that kind of prepares you for that, you know? So, like, yeah. hey, this might be coming, and again, we, we opted not to, and I would say we're all, we're all, we've all dealt with it well. It's not a day goes by I don't think about him, but, and you also think of, but you miss him, you know, and it's completely natural, but... Um, again, yeah, that's it's a pretty interesting dynamic that you go mm -hmm. through during those those six years. If you could go back and like have that moment and be able to, you know, talk to your dad 
all of our dads and be able to get really close mm. before it's too late. Like that's something that I think all young men should have. And I never saw my dad cry often. And there was actually one cool experience of, I, I took my first paycheck from soccer and my dad was going through radiation and everything. And uh, I don't know wh what made me think of doing this, but I was back in Houston in the off season and I'd saved it. I hadn't cashed it. And you know, I just walked up to him and handed it and I said, I want to pay for your first round of oh, wow. radiation. And that's the first time my dad just looked at me and he just started Balling, and mm -hmm. I balled, and we had a hug, and then went back upstairs, and me cry. life yeah, went yeah, on. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's that's amazing. But so. it, you know, becoming a dad, and I'm a bit older than you, gentlemen, but it does make you think about that inevitability, right? As as our parents get older, and my dad had a heart attack last year, and you start to realise, and you know, I mean, the industry, if you like, of, of men's health. Um, but even beyond that, now you go, oh, I want to look after myself even better. Um, because you know you, you want that longevity and you want to be healthy and be able to run around and do everything when mm. so I had knee surgery <laughs> <laughs> scrape the knees and keep yeah. them clean but um, interesting gentlemen thank you so much for joining us on Movember Radio have a great Father's Day thank you and um, continue to be awesome and inspiring dads thank yeah. you for what you do here thanks man yeah absolutely for thanks for everything uh, you guys do yeah. mm. That was Justin Baldoni and Stuart Holton. You can find out more about these two guys at Movember.com. If you've missed an episode, you can catch up at MovemberRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening in. This episode was produced by myself, Adam Garoni, with the support of Caitlin Whittaker, Lavanya Nagedrin, with audio production by Daryl Misson and music by Toe Hider. Have a great Father's Day, look after yourself, and we'll catch you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>